Thank you so much for seeing us for this marriage counseling session. As you can see, my husband is married to his phone. Oh, yeah, so you know, I mean, look, marriage is all about communication. Uh, so if I'm not communicating with other people while she's communicating with me, which stresses me out, then who am I really helping if I'm not communicating something? Yeah, for me, communication's all about nonverbal cues. So when he's talking to me, I try to think of something that interests me so I look engaged, like Game of Thrones or tacos. Yeah, okay, well, so speaking of eating, I find that as head of the household, it's only fair that she does the majority of the cooking. And as the one who is forced to cook, I find it's only fair that I cook the things I like to eat. So what if that means neglecting his dairy allergy? It's the Midwest. Cheese is essential to every dish. <laughs> dishes. Don't even get me started on dishes. <laughs> Who's cleaning the dishes has become my new favorite competition. You know, are they piled up in the sink? Yes. Yeah. Is it starting to reek? You betcha. But this is a competition that I intend to win because I'm not cleaning. Cleaning. Yet another thing I'm in charge of. But honestly, you'd think by now he'd know that I'm not folding his disgusting socks and underwear. It's not like we have to share everything. Okay, yeah. And the whole, and the two shall become one flesh nonsense does not apply <laughs> to marriage. Yeah. Like, do you think that I really want to fully identify with someone who thinks that it's a mortal sin to never see the breakfast club? Which, by the way, isn't even that good. Yeah, shared interests are a total joke with marriage. Honestly, I'm just biding my time until he inevitably dies before me. Me. I can collect on his savings and then ride off into the sunset, seeing the kids on holidays and birthdays, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, so like the kids know this is a business, it's, it's like a yeah. contract, huh. you know? Huh. Okay, okay like, like work, you know, do you like work? No. Mm -hmm. Do you need to go to work to survive? Yes. Mm -hmm. Does it really need to be meaningful? Absolutely not. Yeah, kids need to understand that the whole fairy tale happy ending thing that you see in movies only show you the part where two people get together. They don't show you the real reality of a relationship where years later you're sleeping in separate beds and speaking to each other directly only in emergency situations. Like the time I left one of her kids at Target. <laughs> Target, where all of our money goes to die. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that we have separate bank accounts and credit cards because I'd rather not know how much money we're spending on the 15th set of, of guest bathroom towels. Yeah, honestly, I find it's best just not to talk about money. But seriously, how many matching pairs of socks and bow ties can one man have? Okay, my wardrobe gives me confidence and meaning. Oh yeah, okay? there and it is. you can't put a price tag on that. Yeah, to me our marriage is priceless because it's so convenient. I make my own money, he makes his. I have my own bathroom vanity, he has his. I do drop-offs with the kids, he does pickups. it all sort of works out, you know. Well, and the best part about our marriage is there's no intimacy expectations. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I'm too exhausted for that anyways, you know? Something, Something we, we agree, agree on! on. <laughs> so what do you think? Well, that was heartwarming. <laughs> that was just touching. And uh, as you, ow, that really hurt. Can I just be honest with you? That hurt my shin. Hi. I'm Brad. I'm the lead pastor here. 
That was a drama. Often when we do dramas, I tell Tone, I say, can you just write something not to do? Like, this is, can you illustrate what we shouldn't do? And thank you, Tone. You and Stephen did a great job of that. Uh, but actually somewhat true, and that's why we've been talking about marriage. We are going to be doing a Q&A after the message, so if you have a question, you can text that question to the number on the screen, or you can write out a question on the card, that is, the Ask Pastor Brad card in your seat right in front of you. Why don't we take a second and pray? Holy God, we want to pause and acknowledge that you are here. Your word tells us you love us. You don't love us for all the great things we do. Those things please you, but you love us because you made us. We are made in your image. You are a knowable God. You have revealed yourself in your word. You've given us your spirit to be with us in all things. Holy God, we recognize that these relationships that we are in, no matter what they are, friendships, parents, children, spouses, they are your architecture for human living, and we want to do them in ways that please you and also bring joy to us. So God, help us to trust you Help us see what you want us to see and hear what you want us to hear from your word. In your name we pray, amen. So we are continuing our exploration of what it means to be physical beings who are supernaturally brought together by the power of God, specifically talking about marriage. Uh, we have talked about marriage for the past, actually, of the past four weeks. We've talked, this will be our third week talking about it. Last week, I was out of town, and uh, we will continue talking about uh, these relationships. Next week, we're actually going to be talking about singlehood, and then the week after that, we're going to talk about uh, divorce. So, uh, I encourage you to go on this journey with us. We're talking about marriage, but the reality is marriage affects every person in the room, Right? Uh, really, this, this message is for all people who are either in a marriage, were in a marriage, uh, or the ones who might choose not to be in a marriage. Because the reality is, all of us are affected by marriage. Either it's our own marriage, the marriage we were in, or the marriage we want to be in, or even the marriage we might choose to never be in. We are surrounded by married people. And the Bible speaks to marriage, and I'd love for you to grab a Bible and choose to turn to Ephesians 5, and we'll be, we will be looking at a fundamental passage uh, on marriage from the book of Ephesians, and I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to read it out loud, Ephesians 5, verses 21 uh, to the end of the chapter, not, yeah, 21 through 33. Let's, let us read. I'll read. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit their husbands, submit, should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. 
In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. You may be seated. Quick review of where we've been last two times I've spoken on the subject. Uh, Essentially, we've said this thus far, Christian marriage is designed to be a supernatural friendship created for a man and woman's journey toward God's new creation. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to those messages, I would encourage you to listen to them. Uh, And and I will give uh, credence and credit to where it is due. These messages are really inspired by Pastor Tim Keller's book, The Meaning of Marriage, which I would encourage every couple to get. Or if you're thinking about getting married, it's a great book. Um, There are a lot of different ideas about marriage, of course, in our culture. Marriage is for procreation. Uh, Marriage is for social status. That's been true through a lot of history. Uh, Many would choose to get married because they think, well, I'll find my sexual fulfillment. But if we take the whole of scriptures, we see marriage is rather best designed for two friends, a man and a woman, and their journey toward what God's desire is for them eternally. That's God's new creation, life together with God, with all of the family of God. Today, I want to plunge just a little bit deeper by hopefully helping us see the marriage uh, through a particular set of lenses. They are the lenses the Apostle Paul gives us, and they are the lenses of Jesus and the church. Paul does this really interesting thing in this passage. He does something that kind of turns upside down our culture's assumptions about marriage. He truly believes the union between the Son of God and the people of God is actually the best best path to understand God's intent for marriage. His thesis, we might state like this. Husbands and wives should apprentice themselves to the relationship God intended for Christ and the church. If we look at that relationship, the relationship between Jesus and the church, can we learn something about God's design for marriage? And we actually can. So if we start at verse 21 and 22, let's, let's uh, begin. In fact, if you closed your Bible, would you open it back up? And so we can all kind of journey through this text together as we go through this sermon. Starting with verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You're going to hear that word submit often in this passage. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Right there, you have one of the most controversial uh, verses in the New Testament. Why? One word, head. Christ is the head of the church. And we've just said that to understand marriage, we have to understand the relationship of Jesus and the church. How are we to interpret, then, this word, head? Well, 
we might start by remembering uh, the book of Ephesians wasn't first written in English, it was written in Greek. What's the Greek word for head? Well, the Greek word for head in this passage is the Greek word kephale, and the Greek word kephale is used five times in the New Testament, and each time it is used in Christ's relationship to his body, the church. We don't have time for all five, but I would like to look at three, because I'd like you to see this. In fact, let's read them together. Here's the first passage. Together out loud. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the head, The whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. What's the function of the head here? Well, from the head, the whole body is built up in what? In love. From the kephale, the whole body is built up in love. From the the head, the body is provided with loving growth. And here the head is not the CEO authority, culture has wanted to make it, rather, but the source of the ability and the the, the source of the growth of the love for the head and its body. Let's look at another passage, Colossians 2.19. Let's read it together. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. The function of the head in relationship to the body is not one of dictatorship, but of servant provider for loving growth. Christ as kephale of the church is the source of the church's life and its development. One more passage. We'll read it together. Colossians 1. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. What do we see here? The head is the beginning. In a passage that celebrates Christ's supremacy over all creation, this text describes Christ again as the source of the living of the church through his resurrection from the dead. So if the husband is the kephale, as Christ is the kephale, I would say the husband is really not supposed to be the CEO, like Mike Roman is the CEO of 3M. I would say rather the husband, the kephale, is to be the servant provider of growth, care, and nurture for the wife. And while it might not be popular to say such a thing in our culture, Would not our culture be healthier if husbands lived out this vocation? Secondly, husbands are to apprentice themselves to Christ because Christ is the Savior of the church. We use that word Savior quite a bit in the church. I always like to uh, remind people the word Savior simply means rescuer. Verse 22, Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. He is the rescuer. How did Jesus rescue the church? Well, the quick answer would be that Jesus gave up his life for the church. Years ago, I read in uh, the Kansas City Star about the 2011 Joplin tornado, and uh, there was an illustration in there that I think uh, is memorable and helpful here. 
goes like this. In their last moments together, Bethany Lansaw couldn't see her husband's face. Her ears heard the commotion surrounding her, a massive tornado ripping through their home and much of southern Joplin. Her body felt the pressure of her husband's 250 pounds. She lay in their bathtub, and with a layer of pillows between them, Don Lansaw draped himself over Bethany, using his body to shield his 26-year-old wife. When the tornado passed, the unimaginable destruction done, she removed the pillows and began lifting herself up from the tub. Finally, her eyes could see. She saw a home destroyed. Walls had been blown away. Photographs and trinkets from five years of marriage had disappeared inside a a sea of wreckage. Then she looked toward Dawn, the burly former high school football player who had always seemed invincible. He had suffered a deep wound to his side. While he shielded her, something had punctured his abdomen. Bethany saw Dawn, 31, lie on the floor, and she ran to get help, but by the time she returned, her husband had died. He had traded his life, she said, to save hers. I know we'd like to think that most husbands these days would do the same, but the sad truth is we live in a culture often run by single moms. And it's an important question to ask in our culture that is often run by single moms, where are the men who are called biblically to be rescuers, to offer their lives, to take the bullet, to lay their lives down so that their wife can be saved. This is not to say that a wife can't lay down her life to save her husband, of course, but it is interesting in our culture. Where are the men? Would not, again, our culture be a healthier culture if the men would respond to this vocation? Thus we could say the husband is called to sacrifice his life for the life of his wife. I think of my two daughters, they're not married, but I so would want them to be married to someone who would say, I will take a bullet for you, someone who would rescue, who would be their savior. Thirdly, Christ is the lover of the church. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Six times in this passage. The word love is used. It's interesting. We want to make this passage about submission, and it clearly is about submission according to verse 21, submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ, and Paul continues, submit, submit, submit. But uh, it's about submission because love submits to the needs of the other. Isn't that true? I mean, just if you're stumbling over the submission part, can we not agree that the very nature of love is submitting to the other? The love we're talking about here, the love that Paul uses, the verb form of the Greek word agape, which is self-sacrificing love. It is the love that God is. God is self-sacrificing, unconditional love. It is self-sacrificing, unconditional love that Christ has given to the church. Christ has submitted himself 
so that we might receive the full extent of his love and be saved. And if we think about it, the love that Christ has for the church is not like the love we have often as we think about choosing a spouse, right? <laughs> I mean, you think, first of all, we want, we want a warm feeling in our in our, in our body, in our, in our, in our quiver in our liver uh, for, for our potential spouse, and we want our potential spouse to be attractive. But that's not the way Jesus chose his spouse, the church. I mean, think about it. The church is often pretty ugly, uh, and the church is often very dim-witted, uh, just, just kind of not really smart a lot of the time. And the church is, if we're honest, so often unfaithful. And yet Christ, out of agape, out of self-giving, sacrificing, unconditional love, He's chosen that bride, this bride, to marry. Why? Because love is self-sacrificing, unconditional. It submits. Our text says this, he gave himself up for her, the bride of Christ, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. I just want to pause there for one second. Um, cleansing, her with, uh, uh, cleansing her with water through the word. That, that struck me as I was preparing the message again this morning. Uh, husbands, what is your relationship to God's word? Is it the most important word in your life? And, and, and how, how are you valuing God's word in a way that gives honor to Christ, in a way that finds solidarity with Christ in the washing with water through the word? I mean, we could spend probably six weeks talking about that phrase, washing with water through the word, but the word of God has to be central to the marriage and husbands, my call to you right now is the Word of God has to be central to you. And the way you do life with your wife, if you're not doing it that way, you're missing out on great stuff. Anyway, not really in my notes, but it struck me this morning. Continuing on, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So husbands... The call of the Scriptures is that husbands should love their wives selflessly and unconditionally. Now, if we just press the pause button for a second here, I, I hope you're seeing, if you would just maybe crawl into the, the shoes of a first century reader here. And you can even say in the shoes you're in right now, because what Paul is talking about here is pretty countercultural. It's, it's not kind of the way we think about marriage in our culture. In that particular culture, of course, women were often seen as property. Women were seen as, as chattel. Women, were, uh, women existed to serve, not to be served. But here in this text, we see the model, husbands, is Christ and the way He served the bride, the church. So why did the sacrificial, sacrificial provider, Jesus, why did the rescuer, the savior, the unconditional lover of the church give himself for the bride, the church? 
Well, because the church is the body of Christ. The series is called The Body. One of the things we have to recognize is we have bodies. They are indwelt by the Spirit of God. But this thing right here, not just Sunday morning, but this, this family of God we call the church, and it's not just this church, it's churches all over the world, those who are in Christ, we are the body. We're, we're part of Jesus. Verse 28, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, people have never hated their own bodies, but they feed and care for them, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. So there's a profound unity then that exists between Christ and his bride because the bride is his body. For Jesus not to selfish, to, to sa- sacrificially seek to protect and provide for the bride, for the church, for his body would be like me saying, I'm no longer going to protect everything from here down in me. <laughs> I mean, that'd be completely illogical. Now, I, I could lose my hand, I could lose my kidney, yes, uh, and I would still continue to be Brad. But all of these things that are part of me are still part of Brad. Paul likens this oneness that we have, the kephale and the body, to the oneness of a husband and wife. And he does so by quoting Genesis 2.24, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That word united there in Hebrew uh, literally means to be glued together. So two things become one thing. And if you tear them apart, something tears, something is broken. There is a supernatural thing that binds Jesus to us, and that is the very Spirit of God, to the extent that we now live in a covenant relationship with, with Jesus himself, the very, the very Savior of the world, the Son of God. We are bound to him by the Spirit, and when we submit ourselves in Christian marriage, that same Spirit that binds the church to Jesus is the same Spirit that makes the man and the woman one. So in Christian marriage, husband and wife are no longer two, but one body. So husbands, your wife is part of your body. Wives, your husband is part of your body. That, this, this separation of everything, as you saw in the drama, is not God's call. It is the oneness of life in the marriage that is God's call. Thus, it is because the church, the body of Christ, is united in oneness to Christ by the Holy Spirit, that's why the church submits to Christ. Verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. I know we we trip up on the word submit there. But if you see the word submit there through the lens of Jesus and the church, I think it's very helpful. For the church not to submit to Christ would be like everything from here down not submitting to the head. It would be like everything from here down saying, we're out of here. 
we, we don't like all these messages coming down. <laughs> uh, we're, we're striking out on our own. Well, not only would that be completely illogical, it would result in a death. You, you separate the head from the body, there is a death. And the same is true in marriage. Separate the, the oneness of husband and wife, and a death is going to occur. Yes, the man will still exist, and yes, the woman will still exist, exist but a death has occurred. Talk to any man or woman who has gone through divorce, and I have. We will all acknowledge something has died, and it's not the way God intended And so the submission here is not an issue of hierarchy for Paul. It's actually simply the life of the marriage. The head and the body cannot live without submission. It can't continue to exist unless the two submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And if you're saying, well, okay, but Pastor Brad, let's get to the point. Uh, Who gets the final word in the home? My response is, you've missed the whole point of the passage. It's not about that. When we see marriage through the lenses of Jesus and the church, we see marriage as a supernatural oneness where unity is sustained by selfless love and submission. And of course, isn't it just like God? To to weave into the very fabric of the architecture of humanity something that will only thrive when each party becomes more like Christ, where each party becomes more self-giving, more sacrificially loving. So, in light of all this, the question I like to ask, that we ask in uh, Discovery Bible Experience is, what is, what is God inviting you to do, change, or pray about? If you were to just take one portion of this message this week and focus on it, what would it be? Maybe for some of you it's, I don't know, but I know we need to call a marriage counselor. Well, great, do that. Maybe it's, I I need to more proactively uh, set my agenda aside so I can serve my spouse more practically. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's um, I, we have allowed our marriage to, or our, our, this could be a dating relationship, we have allowed that or I have allowed that to, uh, to part of it to, to not, to drift from the authority of God. You know, maybe there's a section of your relationship that is not, you're not letting Jesus be Lord of that relationship. If that's true, maybe there's, there's a redirection that has to happen to get where God wants you to get. I don't know what it is, but think practically. What is God, what is God inviting you to do this week? I'm going to invite Ryan up, Ryan up somewhere, and uh, we're going to do Q&A. I invite you to send me some questions. My phone has been buzzing, so I, uh, I'm guessing you have a fair amount of questions. If you do, uh, if you have a written question, that's fine. Go ahead and write it down. Uh, hold it up, and an usher will come by and grab it from you. Uh, as always, I reserve the right to be wrong. Ryan is never wrong, so no worries there. I think that's his wife laughing.
Ah. I'm not going to comment for the sake of <laughs> uh, me continuing to exist here. Uh, oh, very good. Um, why don't you give me that one? All right. This one asks, <clears throat> so what if your husband or boyfriend either refuses to love in this way or is not a Christian so he can't know of Christ's example? Is this a relationship to stay in and fight for, or is it already over? <clears throat> so, let me, let me uh, put this in, in two different, I'll, I'll give you two illustrations, all right? One is the illustration of the triangle that we used a couple weeks ago, common illustration uh, in, in Christian circles in the church. Uh, you have a triangle, God is at the top angle, and you have the, the husband and the wife and the other two angles. Um, one, in, in that relationship, uh, another important part of that relationship is as the husband grows closer to Christ and the wife grows closer to Christ, they actually, in, in the geometry there, they, they grow closer to each other, okay? So, um, so there's that. I, I just want to give that scenario. Another scenario I want, I want to use is um, we talked about this, this friendship that is necessary for marriage. Um, and we talked about in Christian marriage, this is a supernatural friendship where God is, is the thing that the marriage is built on. So we talked a couple weeks ago about how um, friendship, C.S. Lewis uh, talks about how friendship is, is built on the me too moment, the you too moment. Um, you like basketball, I like basketball, so we have something in common. We can, we can kind of have a friendship around basketball. Uh, you like basket weaving, I like basket weaving. Okay, that's great. So we can kind of build a little bit of a friendship around basket weaving. Um, the gravity, the, the density, the, 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 the solidity of that which you build a relationship on is, has to be able to sustain the relationship, okay? So... Um, you can build a profound relationship. You, you talk about, uh, we just had celebration of D-Day. So a, a solidarity uh, by these soldiers who had a common mission in, in f- fighting for, for liberty and freedom. They, they had a profound friendship uh, built together as, as they have this thing out here in common. You want to fight for freedom and liberty? I want to fight for freedom and liberty. You know, we stormed the beaches of Normandy. Okay, so you have a, a deep friendship, that, a deeper friendship than, than back at basket weaving or the love of basketball. Marriage has to be, a Christian marriage has to have that thing be Christ. Or you will try to, if you're building it on Christ, but your potential spouse is not building it on Christ, you have a problem. You might be able to exist for a certain period of time. And I know some of you here have, able, have been able to make it work. But I also know those of you who are here long and have longed for maybe even decades that your husband or your wife might come to Christ because you know the goal has to be Jesus. Everything has been created by Jesus, through Jesus, and for Jesus. I'll just say one other thing. If, if you don't have Christ as the center, what you're going to do in the beginning of the relationship as you're potentially dating and maybe get married at some point is you're going to build that relationship on, on certain things. You know, common affection it works for a certain period of time, but it, 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 common affection is not going to work for the long haul. Um, it might be, you know, you both love the arts. 
Well, that's good for a certain period of time, um, but it won't be exist. It's not weighty enough for the long haul. The only thing that's going to be uh, weighty enough for the long haul is is Christ. Sorry, one more thought. Uh, <laughs> if you have two bicyclists, um, there, there are two ways to ride a bicycle a long way. You can say, hey, Ryan, uh, I think I like to ride bikes. You like to ride bikes. Let's go ride our bikes. Okay, we ride and we ride and we ride. And, but eventually it's like, well, we're done. Let's stop doing that now. Um, hey, hey, Ryan, uh, I, I want to ride to Duluth and you want to ride to Duluth. Well, then we have kind of a common cause that helps get us to that place. If you just are together because you like riding bikes, eventually the friendship's going to break down. It, that you're not going to ride bikes together anymore because, you know, it's fun for a time, but it, it's, it's not sustainable because you don't have kind of that common cause. So all that to say, uh, I, w- I would really caution you uh, in, in getting in relationships that are like that, um, that, that aren't equally yoked. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's my two cents. I recognize some of you are making it work, but I also know the bent of your heart is you wish your spouse would, would come to Christ. Okay. Uh, this next one says, um, has feminism gone too far and hurt the Christian marriage? If so, how? Um, yeah, we can, that was a question from the last service, and Ryan thought it was so good, he gave it to me again. And, it, <laughs> and it's still hard in this service. Uh, he, Here's, here's what I said. Um, you know, uh, take, take, let's, let's choose a different ism, all right? Capitalism, all right? A lot of great things about capitalism. Um, capitalism is not the savior of the world. Capitalism is not going to um, give you joy. Um, uh, what I said in the last service is this. Any ism that is not... Uh, lived out under the authority or the lordship of Christ is going to drive itself into a ditch. And so there are some wonderful things about fem- feminism. And, and all that is good about fe- feminism, according to God, is beautiful. Um, all that is uh, part, and anything that comes out of capitalism that is not of Christ is to be condemned. Everything that is in feminism that is not in Christ is to be condemned. Everything that is a part of any ism you're a part of that is not in line with Christ, it is, is gonna, it's going to end up in a ditch. It, it just can't sustain itself in a healthy way. And so, should, should we... Am I glad that women have the right to vote? Absolutely. Should women be paid the same amount of men for the same work? Absolutely. Um, have women been pushed down and, and treated like property and chattel in this country and other countries uh, for too long? Absolutely. Should women be protected in the workplace? Absolutely. Those are good things. Feminism should, should fight for these things. Absolutely. But anything that is not under the Lordship of Christ, that is not born out of the goodness of God, uh, is, is not, is not going to be healthy. So those parts that are a part of feminism um, uh, or any other ism, you can choose them, choose your ism, is going to end up driving into a ditch. Do I have another one? Give me, give me the last, do you have the one from, the really hard one from last one, the yeah, last service? I sure do. All right, we'll close with this one. All right. 
Um, what is your stance on gay marriage? Oh no, that, I was thinking of a different hard one. Uh, <laughs> it's too late, Brad. We're already there. We went there. <laughs> Real quick, but give me. There was that other one. I, I'll get to the gay marriage one. For, if, well, it was the uh, oh, it was on a card. Uh, I'll I'll do it. Oh, okay. I just want to address it real quick, because um, I, I had a be- someone gave me a better answer than than we gave than I gave. Um, it was why can't why can't the woman be the kefale? I thought, wow, that's a really good question. Um, and and so, someone came up to me afterward and and they said, you know, it, it's the question kind of misses the point again, though, doesn't it? You know, why can't I give birth to a baby? I can't. I'm, I'm not supposed to. <laughs> um, it, the, the way God designed the thing, you know, it, it, the, the point is, um, the way God put things together is the, the, the man is the kephale. Okay? That doesn't, that doesn't change the value of the woman. Genesis 1, both are made in the image of God. Um, Jesus died for both. You know, so... I, I just, I, I liked this response that this person gave me because I, th- I think it is helpful. Um, it, it's, it's not necessarily about who gets to be the kephale. That's, that's not what the passage is about. It's not what marriage is about. Um, and then the, the gay marriage question. Um, we're going to, uh, in two separate weeks, we're going to talk about uh, human sexuality uh, questions that in regards to the body in July. So two weeks coming up. Uh, I think it's the second and third Sundays of July. Um, I will say that the simple answer uh, is, is I, I hate to put it that way, but just for clarity's sake, um, in our denomination, uh, we would say uh, faith, uh, celibacy in singleness, faithfulness in heterosexual marriage. So that is, that, those are the boundaries that we believe are uh, bi- biblical grounds uh, for marriage and singlehood, okay? And we're going to talk more about that. But if you want clarity, that's as clear as I can get, all right? Thank you, Ryan. You're welcome. Um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to close with prayer. And you would be very helpful uh, to everyone in the room if you would close your eyes because what I want to do is I want to I pray, I want us to pray as the family of God for any marriage in the room. I'm closing my eyes now, so just so you know. <laughs> let, let, let's pray as a family of God for any marriage in the room that is hurting. And marriage is tough, tough stuff. The very nature of it is self-giving, sacrificial. So it's tough stuff. And uh, if you're here and your marriage is struggling, uh, maybe your spouse is with you, you can both stand. But if, if you have a marriage that's struggling in your world, I'm going to ask you to stand uh, with our eyes closed. And, um, or if you want to stand in solidarity for another marriage you know about that's struggling, um, Go ahead and stand, and, and we are going to pray, knowing that prayer is the most powerful, powerful thing the church can do. Holy Spirit of God, you alone are the restorer. You alone are the healer. You alone can make blind eyes see that which they cannot see. You alone are the one 
who can help us drive relationships out of the ditch. Holy God, we so want to apprentice ourselves to you and your great love for the church. And so, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would work in these lives and that these husbands and wives would submit themselves to you and whatever your will is for their next steps. We pray, God, that you would intervene and where humility uh, needs to be found, help these couples see humility. Where uh, truth has gotten lost in the midst of fiction, I pray you'd help them see truth through your spirit and your word. For those who need to take the great joy and freedom of saying we need help and we need to call a Christian counselor to help us manage, uh, navigate this, Lord, give them the freedom and joy of saying we need help and we know the Lord will help so we will move forward with help. Come, Holy Spirit, strengthen our marriages. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Thank you for tough stuff, uh, but uh, if you don't bump into tough stuff, you don't learn that you can learn how to navigate tough stuff. And uh, so we're heading towards some more tough stuff, but it's okay because Jesus is good, his spirit is present, and we will walk together. Uh, I'm going to ask you to stand. If you're visiting with us here, uh, new to Faith Covenant Church, my wife Jill and I, we're going to be at the blue tables just as you exit. We'd love to meet you, give you a free gift. Um, if you need prayer for anything, we'll have some people down front who'd love to pray for you. And we're going to close with our closing prayer we've used during this series, so please pray out loud with me. Let's pray. Loving and holy Lord, we are grateful to be your image bearers, made from love, born to love. Make of us walking temples of your spirit. Make of us Jesus with skin on Christ ones. May your truth be embodied in this family of grace, so all who see us see you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great week.